Hello and welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I am Midge Munster. And Penny, today I am going to nerd out a little bit because uh, this week we are getting Scream 5 and I am like... I am beside myself. <laughs> snap, it's Screamwatch 2022. <laughs> Screamwatch. Uh, this is just one of my all-time favorite horror franchises, and I couldn't let the opportunity pass uh, for us to talk about it since we've got a new one coming out. It turned 25 last year in 2021, which is like really crazy to think about, oh, first yeah. of all. <laughs> That's a a long-running franchise. It is. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm just going to chat a little bit about the history of Scream, why it's had such a a huge impact on the horror scene and us as like a a film culture. And uh, then, of course, we can just, you know, shoot the shit a little bit here after that. (laughs) Yeah, tell me all about it. So, uh, Scream. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. So it was uh, written by Kevin Williamson. And if you uh, haven't ever seen the backstory on this, it's really fascinating. He actually wrote this script after having a somewhat scream-like experience. Definitely not to the mm-hmm. level of, you know, actually being Mordored or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did write it after, he so did. I guess he was okay. <laughs> he was not unalived in the process, correct? Uh, but he was watching like live coverage on the news of uh, a serial killer like that was loose in his area, basically. And he was, you know, chilling at home watching this and noticed that there was a window open in his house that he didn't remember opening. Mm-hmm. And he had this very like real moment of panic. And he called a friend and was walking around his house, you know, as you do, mm-hmm. holding a butcher knife, like scanning the house (laughs) we've all done this right like i i've definitely like grabbed something out of the bathroom and like walked around jumping around corners um but his friend and him eventually kind of you know he settles down realizes there's nobody in their house and they start talking about the you know the movies that made us like these boogeymen freddie jason michael and how interesting it would be now having the knowledge of the the killer mm-hmm. uh trope to be in that same situation with the knowledge of horror films and so this is where he gets the idea to write uh, what is at the time titled scary movie yeah and he he writes the script and puts it out to you know bunches of studios uh people are bidding on it what have you um And actually, a lot of studios wanted the script, but they had a lot of trouble finding somebody to direct it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they put it up to Wes Craven multiple times and he turned it down. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, nah. Yeah. uh, And at that time, he had just had, I think, what is that movie called? It's a a vampire, um, vampire film. He had just put that out and it was like a, it was a flop, unfortunately. Um, And so... Craven was really trying to like separate himself from the horror genre at that point and prove that he could do other things. And it ended up being a, uh, a one of his, his assistant who read the script and kept kind of just casually throughout the, the week being like, you know, I've heard they're really having trouble finding somebody to direct scary movie. And they're, they're really hoping it'll be you. 
And, uh, you know, he's like, well, tell him to make me an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> and uh, so they came back and they did. And Wes Craven signed on to to direct it, which, of course, ends up being like one of the main reasons that this this film goes as far as it does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the, uh, the big thing, of course, that you have to talk about with Scream is that the whole premise of it is that it completely... Well, not completely, but it subverts the horror genre in so many different ways while also adhering to a lot of the tropes to give us this really interesting thing that has never been done before at this point. Um, We're in the 90s. The kind of height of the slasher has kind of petered out after, you know, the 80s with Nightmare and uh, after John Carpenter's Halloween. Like everything's kind of been played out at this point. People are getting tired of the genre. And when Williamson writes this script, it's both effective as horror and comedy, and it's jam-packed with all these references for the horror fan. Like, it's really just, uh, especially, you can enjoy it if you're not a horror person, of course. (laughs) Um, But, like, Linda Blair from The Exorcist makes an appearance, and, uh, like, Wes Craven shows up at one point as a janitor named Fred, which is, you know, if you know, you know. Uh, And and it's just, it's just smart. It's freaking smart. And of course, one of the best ways they do this is through the character Randy Meeks, who is like the horror obsessed video clerk um, character. And the one of the most iconic scenes in Scream, we are at the party. It's the, the last scene in the film which <laughs> I actually found this out recently. I did not know this. Took 22 days to shoot. Ooh. Like, 22 days. <laughs> just blazed right through there. And it's, I mean, it's it's a long scene, but it's not a, yeah. it's not a, a long, long scene. And, and the, the stakes in that scene, to be in that space for 22 days, I just can't even, whew. Big, big um, round of applause for all of those actors. But Randy, you know, they're at the party and Randy pauses John Carpenter's Halloween, which is playing on the TV, which is so funny, uh, to give this speech about how to survive a horror movie, which is like one of the most iconic scenes where it's the first time that I think really these tropes have ever been called out in a list like this, where it's like, don't have sex, don't say you'll be right back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, immediately these tropes are subverted because we cut right to a scene of Sydney uh, post-coitus with a person who ends up being our killer, uh, one of them. And Stu, you know, says, I'll be right back. It's just, it's absolutely brilliant. It's so, so smart. And uh, they have this real whodunit aspect. That's a, a thing through the entire Scream franchise. We're playing who is this killer, uh, which was really new because even, you know, mass killer, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, we still know who they are. Yeah. Uh, Scream is the first time we really don't know. Like, anyone can be behind the mask. So overall, it's it's just, to me, it's just so brilliant. It's It's smart. It's funny. And one of my favorite lines in the movie... Uh, I guess I should have said at the beginning, if you haven't seen Scream, this episode is full of spoilers, but I'm assuming if you're listening to it, it's because you're a Scream fan. Um, But of course, at the end, we end up finding out that there are are two killers, which is a 
another way we're subverting the genre. Uh, and they actually die, which is unheard of. Uh, but Billy in that last scene says movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> and I love that line because it, again, is playing off this thing that parents say, you know, it's the same thing people say now with like video games make mm-hmm. kids more violent. Uh, like in the movie that you're watching, <laughs> they're undercutting the genre. It's just, it's just smart and brilliant and fun. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, I feel like I've rambled now for eight minutes <laughs> about how much I love this genre and I, I have more things to talk about, but uh, I guess I would love to know, ha- have you seen Scream? I actually don't know. Well, yeah. So I've seen the I've seen the first, the original Scream. I okay. haven't seen um, the rest of them. That's but... okay. I mean, I will say I, I like the sequels of them. I think four is my favorite right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the none of them quite did it like the original. I'm glad you've seen it because I know horror isn't always your your thing <laughs> yeah so th- this was definitely one i was kind of laughing to myself when you were talking about like the how it's effective as both comedy and horror because i was mm-hmm. definitely convinced to watch this by a friend who told me that it wasn't scary scary it was like funny scary <laughs> and then we watched it and we were and she was like i forgot how scary it is because <laughs> we were like oh no this is legitimately scary uh <laughs> And And that's what's so good about it, too. Like, it has you laughing one minute, and then the next minute you're, like, truly terrified. Yeah, it was, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, It was one of the the most terrifying real-life portion of it was halfway through watching it. um, We we were living on the second floor um, of a duplex at this time, and I was like, did you ever shut the front door? Because she would sometimes leave the front door open so that her cat could look out. And so we both just like stared at each other and we're like, one of us has to go down these stairs and lock this door. (laughs) And very terrifying. I definitely like one of us stood at the top to watch while the other one like bolted down. (laughs) Did the other one say, I'll be right back. (laughs) Right. Uh, It was very scary. But yeah, I, I thought it was a really cool movie. I mean, I feel like I definitely I didn't necessarily pick up on all of the horror references in it when I watched it. So it would be interesting sure. to watch it again because this was like kind of in in the start of me watching more scary movies. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely funny. I mean, I love Matthew Lillard. He's oh my amazing. Gosh. So always. The cast is just <laughs> jam packed with star, like all star actors too. Yes. I loved um, Courtney Cox. What, what's her name? Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers. I love just Gail Weathers. Absolute <laughs> iconic character. And that movie, uh, I'm sure most of you know, is actually how her and David Arquette met and that's that's how they ended up becoming Ooh. married later down the line um which i just think is cute even though they didn't work out they still have a very amicable relationship yeah. with it, which is great uh, i did want to mention while we're talking about uh both horror tropes and big stars of the screen uh drew barrymore yes is uh you know first 13 minutes of the movie i think it's around that mark um this was again smart marketing. Uh, something Wes Craven and the team really wanted was uh, actually specifically uh, Kevin Williamson too. I want to give him his credit, the writer, where it's due. Um, they were very smart about playing this uh, game with the audience even mm-hmm. before the film came out. They wanted to make sure 
that they were constantly throwing people off the scent, more or less. And so uh, Kevin Williamson really harkened back to like the the psycho. Um, oh my gosh, Jan- Janet Lee. Yeah, uh, they you know put Drew Barrymore on the poster and were oh, really wow. pitching this as yeah. a Drew Barrymore film. Uh, because they said they wanted to set up this experience where, you know, she dies 13 minutes in and you have been, you've entered this movie thinking it's a Drew Barrymore movie. Yeah. Oh. And now it, it really sends the audience into this tizzy of, oh, anyone can die. And what the hell's going to happen now? Um, and that it's scene just, is so iconic. It's so good. So it's good. so good. And when I tell you that nothing makes me feel more nostalgic than a, a, a little thing, a Jiffy Pop, because of that opening scene. I have Jiffy Pop every time I watch Scream. Every single time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the product placement. The product placement. <laughs> it's, uh, I will say too, like the as far as tying back into the, the quote about it makes killers more, cre- or psychos more creative. I think Scream also has some of the most creative kills, which isn't something... Uh, <laughs> I I should be like proud to say that I'm like, ooh, creative kills, exciting. Yeah. Um uh, Rose McGowan, Tatum in that garage door is oh, one of the ugh. one of the best horror scenes ever to me. I think about it constantly. <laughs> oh my god. I was true story, I was scared of garage doors growing up, not knowing about oh, that no. scene. So I'm glad I was not introduced to it until later in life because I was I was just afraid that they were gonna come down and bonk me in the head and kill me. So did you have a full blown come apart during that scene? <laughs> it was extremely scary. I mean, I think part of it is because um when I was growing up, one of our garage doors didn't have power. So oh, okay you had to manually like push it up and down. And so like, you could really feel how heavy they are. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I think that it, it, it continued to be, I mean, even in the later uh, sequels, there are just some really, which I guess, I don't know. I always have that moment where I'm like, who's coming up with this shit? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but I think I actually, I don't know. I've been reading a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of course nerding out, gearing up for the, the I, I bought my tickets to the screen premiere on Friday, uh, probably uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago, <laughs> at least. And um, I'd be ready. I, I, so I've been, you know, watching old interviews and all this, like re- nerding out, vamping up, getting ready to really enjoy it. And uh, of course, I'm I'm starting my my rewatch too. I'm I'm binging. Uh, but the the franchise was so smart in in two ways, because like usually, right? Let's say uh, Friday the Thirteenth you kind of get the same film over and over with yeah. different different characters. Scream was so smart in that, like, Sydney's not really a final girl. I mean, she is. But she... The, the four, four characters survive the first film, mm-hmm. and we have a legacy cast. Like, those people are still going to be in Scream 5. Like, Scream has characters, and it has people you get attached to, and it, there's a real plot where you like have to almost sit and watch the other movies to know not to know what's happening but like to to know the stories of these characters and why these things are happening and it's i don't it's just unlike anything else in the genre and it really like 
it, it was a reawakening for for horror of that type in the 90s because then you know of course we get a lot of spinoffs we get scream queens um we get all kinds of you know i know what you did last summer like we get all these yeah. new horror spinoff uh type scream really made a new subgenre of horror i feel like and I mean, not just I feel like that's that's just a fact uh, yeah. the scream the scream era <laughs> um is something totally different and I just I love it so much I'm just so excited <laughs> to watch the new one I'm yes. uh yeah I know we because we talked about it in this like slasher episode we like kind of briefly touched on this idea of like this scream era and I do think like these kind of self-referential horror mm-hmm. movies that are a little bit meta a little bit aware of themselves are just such a cool new kind of take on things and i i enjoy that you know usually more than kind of the the straightforward sure. of horror of the past well and <laughs> i love too that they uh i mean obviously it's january now but like i love that they're releasing it in the winter that was uh, the original Scream released five days before Christmas, and it absolutely, oh. absolutely bombed the first week. <laughs> um, and like all the actors were like, "Well, that's it." Like Wes Craven was like, "I'm done." I'm, and I mean, re- everybody really thought it was going to be just another, you know, string of shitty B films that somebody comes along and like picks up in a blockbuster once in a blue moon. And it was really because of word of mouth that it it went from i think it made like six million which is you know still a lot of money but in the terms of box office is not a a good opening week (laughs) yeah (laughs) um the first week which granted i think that if i had to guess i also think that's because it was christmas like who's going to see horror at christmas but especially when the genre had died off a little bit but i think it went from six million and then like the next week it made like 35 um like it just all of a sudden caught and uh, nev campbell tells a really funny story about like all her agents called her at once and she was like oh my god i'm being fired it's happening <laughs> like <laughs> she thought that because it bombed so bad anyway and she they said it made 30 million and she was like is that bad <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, she was, oh go ahead Oh, this so this was unrelated. I wasn't sure if like the something that I didn't realize until I listened to a podcast, I think, that was talking about this. I don't remember why, but just <laughs> not the, a podcast. Right. The the ghost face mask. I Oh yeah. I didn't know that that was like an existing mask. I had always assumed that it was created for the film. This is actually a really interesting uh story. So uh they were were lo- location scouting for filming. And the like executive producer, I believe it was, um, she like saw they were touring this woman's house, and they went up to the second floor, and they, she had like what was presumably uh, her son's room that like he didn't you know live there full time or live there anymore, yeah. or whatever. Um, but that mask was in the room, and at the time had like a white shroud around it. Um, but they saw it, and they were like, "Oh, this is it! Like this is the mask," and so they you know get it at like a five and dime store or whatever and are putting planning to use it in the film (laughs) and the studio was really against it like was really adamant because it was already in existence and they didn't own that mask Mm -hmm. um that they wanted to to create something else so they went through 
several uh, iterations. There, there was one that was kind of like a gargoyle type mask. Um, they go through multiple different masks in tests. Um, and finally, Wes Craven like put his foot down and was like, no, we are like, we're using Ghostface. This is what we're doing. Um, and it was kind of like a scandal because they they couldn't capitalize on it. They didn't own <laughs> they didn't own the design and mm-hmm. and people were really like butthurt about it, but I think it adds because it's like literally it's again it's that thing of it could have been anybody. You could literally go into a store and buy that mask. Anyone could could pick it up and be under it, you know? <laughs> like it's it just it adds that extra layer. It's like he knew exactly what the hell he was doing. Wes Craven is brilliant. RIP bud. I that is also a weird thing. Yeah. This will be the first Scream film that is not directed by Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, uh I'm it's it's I'm glad. I'm glad that they're like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um but it is it's very sad. And uh Wes Craven like such a <laughs> one of my favorite. I found a uh, an interview with Kevin Williamson, the writer, mm-hmm. talking about Wes Craven. Uh, there, because this is the first film that's going to be directed without him. There's been a lot of, of course, um, commemorative, like very people reminiscing about him, yeah. talking, honoring him in different ways. And um, Williamson said, "This is his quote: He would sit in his director's chair and be doing a crossword puzzle and reading about birds." And then all of a sudden, he would call action and become somebody totally else. It was so bizarre. <laughs> and there's like all these accounts of him being this like person who was very invested in like the Audubon Society. They had yeah. somebody from the Audubon Society like speak at his memorial and do Aww. bird calls. And like he would be, they would talk about like he would be out on the after shooting, you know, all night. They they shot almost exclusively at night, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, and so they would shoot all night till like 6 a.m. And they said like they would look out their window and, and Wes would be out there like calling birds and taking pictures at <laughs> six in the morning. And I just I love that he's this like horror mastermind. And he was kind of a big softy. Like people talk about what a just a great, kind human being he was. Um, and then but he had this bizarre mind. And I find that just so fascinating and i think i feel feel like that's all of us right right i feel like almost all of like kind of the great like horror creators and like spooky people are people who have you know the the ability to think of these wild and horrific things but are like just a chill person underneath and they know when to turn it on and turn it off vincent price was kind of a, a a good example of that but yeah i there was a lot of interesting i got really deep in uh reading these like i said these interviews and things talking about him and just like the the sets like the what it was like on set <laughs> everyone was talking about how i guess david arquette <laughs> made like a he called it david's bar and he made it in his hotel room cuz they're all staying in this <laughs> hotel yeah uh and they have all their windows like blacked out cuz they're all sleeping during the day to film in the evenings and but after they would get done shooting at like six in the morning, they would all go to David's room, and he had bought, I guess, like every lava lamp he could find in town, <laughs> all these like weird toys and tchotchkes and things that he hung from his ceiling, and created this entire bar experience in his room for the cast to come hang out in. <laughs> oh, I want to go to David's bar. I know. I just 
David Arquette, what a gem. What an absolute gem. He's so... Dewey is a a character, too, that I just... I think you can't help but fall in love with. And I'm I'm really excited that he's one of the legacy cast and that we get to see him again pretty soon. Oh, yeah. What are your predictions slash wishes for Scream 5? (sighs) Okay, this is a big ask. And I don't think... I don't know that it's going to happen. I'm getting giddy thinking about it. So there is a big, like, um, what's the word? Conspiracy group (laughs) who believes that Stu didn't die. Matthew Lillard's character. And so, and he has been getting a lot of press this go around, which is, you know, great because he's amazing and we love Matthew Lillard. Uh, And obviously iconic first film, like, killer superstar. But... It is weird because he has not been in the franchise since 97, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So there are a lot of people who believe that he didn't ever... Because he gets hit in the head with a TV. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get, like... Like, Billy gets, like, uh, dead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And Matthew Willard himself has been, like, known to talk about this publicly. He's like, I don't think Stu's dead. That wouldn't. (laughs) There's a great interview with him where he's like yelling about it, and he's like, "I'll go throw a TV (laughs) on my head right now. I won't die." Uh, And so that is my prediction slash hope is that Stu is going to make an appearance. I don't think he will necessarily be the killer, but I would love for Stu to show up in Scream Five. That would make my whole life. I. I also think, well, and if not that, I think that the the killer will be somebody related to Stu somehow. Mm. Um, maybe I don't know what. <laughs> It'll be interesting to listen back to this after Friday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I don't know. I hope. I kind of feel like this has to be the end of the franchise. Yeah, a little bit because like David Arquette's getting older, like. I don't know. It's kind of like Nightmare, right? Like, again, gosh, this is just a spoilers episode. Spoiler for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 coming to you hot. Like, after they killed off Nancy, it was kind of like, okay, you know, like, yeah, you can't really do it without your final girl. I mean, you can, but it's just never going to be as good. And Nev Campbell is going to age out of the. Well, I say that, but let's look at Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) So, JK, lol. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, actually, screw me. Forget everything I just said. Niff Campbell. I saw a picture she did for the press tour. My friend sent it and she said, Mommy, sorry. Mommy, sorry. Mommy. <laughs> She'd be looking so good. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I would kind of love for this to be the last one, which I think would have to mean killing Niff Campbell. Mm. But I don't want that per se, but also I kind of do, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to see. We'll find out on Friday. Yes. Uh, well, this has been really fun. I am. I appreciate again that we always have a couple of these episodes, like the haunted mansion or the slashers, like where one of us is just a big nerd for something. <laughs> yes. And we really appreciate the other one for letting us fully go off. Um, so, if you are a Scream fan, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are not a Scream fan, I hope that this maybe made you want to either watch or rewatch the films from a new lens, maybe having more information about how they were made, how they were written. 
Uh, but let us know, you know, always, as always, like chat with us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Are you, do you have tickets to Scream 5? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling like maybe I want to watch Scream again now. <gasps> I want you to live tweet me the entire time. Ooh, I can do that. <laughs> I did order some new, uh, maybe I'll, maybe we can post on the Ghouls Night and Pod Instagram page. I did buy some new big acrylic, uh, ghost face knife earrings to wear on Friday. I'm going to have a a whole spooky scream look prepared. So I'm very excited. (laughs) That will be delightful. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Scream fans and or non-fans alike. Uh, it's <laughs> been great to chat with you. And I I always love a nerdy one. I love hearing people talk about things that they're super into. So thank you for sharing your, your Scream love with me today, Midge. Yay. My pleasure. <laughs> Um, as Midge said, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Ghouls Night in Pod uh, to see photos about things that we talk about and just generally stay up to date on what we are doing. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a like and a review on your podcast app of choice. Do we have a review to read today? Ooh, we do have a, a new review. Ooh, who's it from? This is from Crossbar Ping. Uh, This was actually just a couple of days ago, so thank you for listening. And this is a five-star review titled Great Spooky Fun. Looking for wishlist guests for 22. (laughs) How about Spike? (laughs) From Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, hell yeah. If I could get James Marsters on this podcast, I would simply pass away. Oh, I don't need... What... what what would I even say to him besides who allowed you to be so sexy? So hot. Uh, but this, yeah, Angel versus Spike character uh, compare contrast episode. Ooh. That's actually a really fun. Are you a Buffy gal? I have a Buffy tattoo. Oh my God, you do. I knew that. <laughs> I'm such a dummy. Yeah, yeah we're both Buffy fans. definitely on my list um, oh, as yeah. a potential episode. So we will definitely be doing a Buffy episode at some point. And when we do, we will have to talk about the great Angel versus Spike debate. Amazing. Well, there you go, crossbar ping. You're you're gonna get your wish. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a buff episode. <laughs> Heck yeah, you too could get your wish if you leave us a review on yes. iTunes or anywhere else that accepts reviews. <laughs> so, thank you again for your review, my friend, and thank you all for listening. Um, if you are looking for me, you can find me on all of the things at Penny Snark, and you can find me at Midge Munster. And until next time. Goodbye.